What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the TorontoGameDoes.com podcast slash interview show. Um, we've kind of been, been having a nice stream of uh, interviews here. So this is going to be the first one after E3. And we're talking to uh, Galal Hassan, who showed off a pretty interesting mobile project at E3. Uh, Galal, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. And a little uh, little kind of scenes behind the, the curtain or what, what have you. We had a little technical difficulty, so... Uh, on the air, I apologize that we kind of had to repeat this a little oh. bit. But um, before we kind of jump into Arya's Legacy, which is obviously the game we're going to talk about here, uh, can we just maybe go in a little bit depth about, you know, you as a gamer and uh, how you kind of got your start and what kind of gamer you kind of define yourself as, like a console guy, a mobile guy, PC guy, what have you? Sure. Um, so starting off as a gamer, uh, I mean, start off when I was way younger and the first ever console I ever got was the Nintendo, uh, like family console, uh, start playing, uh, super Mario and got really into it. And that's what got me started into the whole gaming, uh, era. And then got the Sega, uh, Genesis console afterwards, played lots of games there. And then followed by the Sony PlayStation, which was the first console I ever started buying games for uh the previous consoles they kind of borrow games from my friends and whatnot but for the sony playstation i i th- that was my first time to actually go and buy like a f- my first video game i think it was crash bandicoot the first game i ever bought uh but ever since then i've been a console guy i i got into kind of the pc kind of uh um game playing for a bit but then i switched to mac and then i just switch only to consoles and mobile phones but mobile phones is kind of when i it's kind of what uh, i play games on it when uh i'm on the train i'm on the bus or something it's not something that i do all the time mm-hmm. uh it's, it's usually for casual gaming i guess do you have a do you have a switch uh i do have a switch which i just bought recently uh i finished um like mario the uh and um what was it Mario Odyssey? I got, uh, yeah, Mario Odyssey and uh, Breath of the Wild. Um, oh, yes, yeah. And the game I enjoy playing all the time is the um, um, Binding of Isaac. Oh, I have a friend who's, like, mad addicted to that, actually. Um, oh, yeah, I'm super addicted to that. It's, 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 like, it's too weird for me, though, to be perfectly honest. Like, it is, it's a very strange kind of game of what you're doing, Um and and I played because it has a co-op mode on PS4 at least, like where you can be one of the little things that shoots or whatever. Oh um, yeah, I think you can you can do co-op as well on the Switch. Like one one player would hold one of the controllers and the other the other side. I think I haven't tried it, but I think I've seen someone do. It. I'm not sure. Oh really? Yeah, it's actually this this reminds me. He said he would buy me Binding of Isaac on Switch uh, as like a present, as like a wedding present or whatever, and he never did. So now. This is reminding me to kind of text him after the show. Um, oh yeah, you should, you should you should message him for that. Yeah. Um, so perfect. So you started buying games uh, the PS One era. Do you, and so you, the first game was Crash Bandicoot. I remember uh, Resident Evil had a very unique kind of first for me. Resident Evil Zero on the GameCube was the very first game that I ever bought uh, with kind of my own money. With that was my own money from like work. Um, right. Not like a gift that my parents or, or family member gave me or, or money that I just got from like birthdays or something like that. And then like the Resident Evil movie was the first DVD I ever bought. Res- Code Veronica X was the first PS2 game I ever bought. So Resident Evil was always kind of like my 
my first in a lot of area, and I always kind of remember that. So you're mostly a, a console guy. What kind of games are you playing like right now? Oh, right now I've been playing God of War. Um, I mean, I love this game. This this has been probably the best game I've played on the PS4 so far. I mean, um, The Last of Us comes next to that. I haven't finished it yet, so um, we'll see when I'm done with the game. Yeah, I just platinum God of War maybe like a week or two ago. And, oh, wow. Uh, it, uh, How hard was it? Uh, it's not that hard. It's just the... Because um, there's no difficulty, or like you don't need to play on the the hardest difficulty, whatever. Um, and so it's just a lot of like, you, you, the first step is really just beat the game and you just play through the game, enjoy the story and whatnot. And then afterwards there's a lot of cleanup you would have to go. So you would have to like Google kind of the area and see all the stuff that you missed and then kind of just check it off each list. The only like stuff that's hard in the game is the Valkyries. I don't know if you fought any of them. Um, Uh, yeah. I, I have yeah. yeah so the the last valkyrie is is like such a bitch like she like it was so it took me a couple like maybe an hour or two of just kind of trying different different runes and different attacks and different stuff because that by that point you have like all the experience points you need to just kind of level up everything so i was just trying different kind of uh runic attacks right and it took a while but uh, eventually I got her down and then uh, it was just a matter of like cleaning up some of the other stuff like the treasures and stuff like that. But it was it was pretty solid. Like that game was was exceptionally exceptionally done. And I'm uh I was a big God of War fan, like God of War one, two, three. I love those games. So and I like that they kind of changed uh the gameplay a little bit, or actually quite a bit. Oh yeah, I love the new gameplay. Also I, I didn't like the uh, Lost God of War, God of War Ascensions. I felt like it was very rushed for the single player mode because they wanted to push the multiplayer mode. Yeah, that's actually which was very weird for God of War. Yeah, that's actually the only one I, I I've never played. Um, I'm tempted to go on PlayStation now and and download because I think it's on there because um, it'll probably never be ported. It's sort of like that ugly duckling in the family. Like they don't really want to acknowledge. Yeah, probably. Like they remastered three, but they didn't remaster Ascension on PS4. So. Um, I think the only PlayStation now is really the only way I could possibly play it. But I heard that, I remember hearing that too. Like the multiplayer was just kind of, it was, it wasn't like really that great. And the single player was just rushed to kind of get that game out. So they can, mm-hmm. back then, like multiplayer, it was all about multiplayer uh, to try yeah. to get like players to kind of not trade in the game like a couple weeks later. Um, awesome. So you were just at E3. Uh, did you get, showing off Arya's legacy, which we'll get to obviously, but did you get a chance to kind of check out the show? It, was it your first E3 first off? It, it was my first E3. So it was super exciting and super exhausting at the same time. Yeah. So did you get a chance to kind of walk the show or see any of the press conferences or meet anyone like cool or see anyone cool even? Um, or did you, or were you kind of just hunkered to your booth for most of the time? Most of the time I was at my booth, but I did get like a chance to kind of walk around and see the other booth is there. Um, mostly before they opened for industry and gamers. So it was like them setting up and making sure that everything's working for everyone that comes in later. Uh, they did give me a demo for Assassin's Creed, though, before anyone else like on the floor got into the actual like booth area, which was pretty cool. But they didn't want to give me swag until like everyone else comes in, and then the lineups were crazy. Yeah, I remember um, I went to E3 three years ago or two years ago. 
Uh, okay, so that was good. That was before they let in the crowd. Like it was, yeah, it was the year before they let the crowd in. Okay, so that was 2016. Because um, first year they let the crowd in was 2017, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. So it was two. It was three E3s ago that I was at. Um, and I remember that's when they also. Sh- that's when Nintendo just said like, "Screw it, we're just going to show you Zelda. We don't really have anything else to show you." Uh, the right. Switch, the Switch was just the. Um, the oh whatever the nickname for the switch was at the time like we didn't know we just knew they were working on something we didn't know anything about it and the lineup right. for zelda they they took off they took like the middle of the floor and the lineup for zelda went all the way around the first oh, wow. day i had no chance at playing it um just because i was kind of nerding out about everything else i'm more i'm mostly a playstation guy so i was nerding out the second day i went back and i was like maybe 20 minutes into the door like i was in the venue 20 minutes uh after the doors opened went straight to zelda and the lineup was full and i was and i was just like is there any chance he's like no this this will be these guys won't play for another eight hours and the show will be over oh damn yeah so he's like come back later and maybe i don't know maybe a miracle will happen i was like okay so i check out the rest of the show and then i go back and another and the lineup's still full i there's another lineup forming i was like what's this lineup and he says those are the people who know that they're not guaranteed to play it, but if anyone else drops out of the other line, they're first to go in. <sighs> wow. So okay. they're lining up to see like a game that they might not be able to see uh, just in the hopes that either someone has a short demo or someone leaves or someone dies in the middle of the lineup so they can take their spot or something. It was it was crazy. They're so. pretty much lining up to lining up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh and so I just I didn't even bother and so I just kind of checked out the rest of the like all the other games. Um and then I've like we applied to go to E3 like maybe you can talk about a little bit about the application process because for journalists you just kind of say who you are and what you write for or what your YouTube video is or whatever. And then they right. just kind of they just look on their end to see if you're just some schmuck or maybe you're a minor schmuck like me or you're a big guy at AGN or something like that, and they approve you. Right. So every every year we've been approved, and but it's also free for journalists. So we went the one year, but we haven't gone the last two years just because of traveling and stuff like that. Is it is it similar? So what's the for anyone who might be interested in kind of going to E three? Um, what was the application process like, and did you think like you got because uh, I don't know if you're allowed to say how much it was, but it, it did cost you money to show off your game, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the booth itself costs a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say how much yet, but um, it did cost a lot. And the the good news is with, with whatever you pay for the booth, you get lots of free tickets for E3 so that you can give them to other people that are interested that are in the industry. So you get about 16 affiliate passes and eight for the like booth like exhibitor passes Mm -hmm. uh but these uh these uh industry passes still have to show two types of ids one that proves that this is the correct person the other one proves that they are actually in the industry so it could be a credit a credit card from the company that they work for or maybe like an employment letter or something oh i see Um, yeah yeah that was actually that's similar with the on the journalist end um, I couldn't get my wife in because the, that one year you can't like, if someone's like a manager or just like a, a, a secretary or something like that, or, or they don't do any actual writing, you, they, that doesn't count. Um, they actually right. have to do some sort of content creation about games. So after that, she started writing for, for the site and helping out the site more visibly. 
um, to kind of get in. So that's, I guess it's similar to that where you, someone has to be those certain passes, they have to show that some sort of proof that they're an indie developer or some sort of developer or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. But I, I mean, that was probably like two E3s ago because this E3 didn't seem that, um, strict when people were kind of picking up their badges. Um, some people didn't even show up with the IDs and they got their badges picked up. So, <laughs> um, but funny enough though, uh, Lots of people were trading badges, and then when they got caught, um, the badges were confiscated. And then we saw one of the security guards, he was wearing, like, I'd say maybe 100 badges, just to show off how, like, if you trade badges, you'd get caught and the badge gets confiscated. <laughs> it, it was funny. I have the picture. I can send it to you afterwards. I'm down. Yeah, that's. it sounds like people who, the kill confirm stuff, you take the dog tags from someone oh, yeah. to, like, confirm it. Um so as an indie developer, like obviously E3 is is the biggest show in um, in the world, I think, um, when it comes to showing off games and stuff like that. Uh, when you think of E3, you think of like Sony's and Nintendo's and EA's and all that stuff. As an indie developer, um, going through the whole process, maybe it's a little too early to, to see the the long term benefits of going to E3, but. Do you think it was? Uh, do you think it was like worth it in the end, or or is it too early to tell? Or or how do you, how do you feel about like the post show? Because we're we're about a week and a bit since the show ended. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's very. It depends on what your main target is for going to E three, because you need to set your target straight before going there. If you're going there to show off your game so that people know about it, it might not be the best uh, option. Because mm-hmm. if you get one of the booths that are not like similar to the one that EA has or um, Ubisoft or whatever, you're, you're not going to get as much traction as they do. You can get caught off in uh, what pe- when people get tired of the, of the lineups and then they walk around, that's fine. I mean, we got about uh, 300 people that subscribed to our newsletter and played the game uh, there. More people saw the booth and everything, but they didn't stop by. So that's over the whole three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure lots lots more people w- wanted to come over and uh, they just got caught up in the lineups for other games and then they didn't have the time to because we had more signups for um, the cause we had like a scheduler for uh, game demos and lots of people signed up that didn't show up. Right. Yeah. And I remember um, PlayStation had a thing where it's like an app that you had to download or something like that where you where you kind of schedule. Like you, you kind of book you book your time, but right. then if someone no one showed if someone didn't show up, um, they just kind of had to like go with like the next person or whatever. Um, so I gotta imagine that's pretty like common because you get if you sign up for something and then you get caught in a line or something or something like. Oh that. yeah, you're not leaving the line. Yeah. I mean, I stood in line for Fallout, and then like halfway through, we had some. Uh, VIP come to our booth, so I had to leave the lineup, and I was like, "Damn it! Did he have to come now? Couldn't he come <laughs> like an hour later, maybe?" But yeah, I, I mean, I, I I can feel how people would be frustrated standing in line for thirty minutes just to leave it to go somewhere else. So I wouldn't expect anyone to leave a lineup for Fallout or for Assassin's Creed just to try out our game yet. Yeah, uh, it's not as popular as the other studios, so. Um, I mean, if every indie developer that wants to go there has to keep this in mind. You're going there. You're you're going there against other like triple A companies. And if you're going there for a mobile game, uh, it's not going to be worth it unless you have something that's very um, eye catching. 
right. and something that people are going to talk about. Otherwise, if you just go with a mobile game and people uh, see it, they're not going to be as interested as a AAA game. Right. I still remember uh, I went to teach uh, Tokyo Game Show as well that same year. I went to E3, so like the three, three or four months later or whatever. Um, and Tokyo Game Show, I think, I think the, how they do it is two, um, two days open for press and then two days open for, uh, for everyone. And I didn't, I didn't like sign up for press or whatever. I just went as like a fan. Right. And there was a, there was a mobile game. I, I don't remember what kind of game it was or anything like that. It was just a mobile game. They had a booth or whatever. Um, and they were directly across from Capcom showing off street fighter five, I think at the time. <clears throat> and the looks on their face because they were probably super happy that they're right across from like Capcom. They're like, yeah, we'll get so many people like just kind of like showing, watching their game and just looking at ours. But yeah. The look Splash on their, zone, zone area. Yeah. But the look on their faces as I walked by, they like, they did not look like they had anyone kind of coming by. And despite yeah. the fact that there were just hundreds and hundreds of people just right in front of them watching a street fighter. Uh, I'll say street fighter five. I'm not hundred percent sure if that, it was that game, but it was a street fighter game. Uh, just hundreds of people watching like Street Fighter, so it is tough that like at these big shows, you're kind of going to head to head against like the big companies. That being said, at kind of at the show at um, uh, EGLX that just happened, there's probably there's less people kind of maybe there's less potential people checking out the game in general because of just like how much of a smaller event it is and just how much other non gaming stuff is going on at the event. Oh yeah, for sure. Like if you're targeting gamers, um, I don't think E3 would be, would be the best venue, cause at this time E3 is so dominated by media. Even though like gamers go there, but gamers go for the AAA games, not for the indie games. Yeah. Um. Cool. And uh, so, do you have? Do you think you'll hit up PAX? Because whenever I talk to the kind of game developers, PAX is sort of the one that they always. Um, are always talking about going to because that's the gamer one like media goes there obviously but it started off as kind of like the e3 for gamers for people for any anybody to kind of go do you think you'll hit up packs i think it's is it so oh, well uh, um i think that there's packs east that's already passed i think packs west is the one that's coming up uh i'm not sure though uh but uh i don't think we'll be going this year we'll be going next year when uh we release the game yeah um cool and so before we talk about aria's legacy just a bit more let's just talk about like your history a little bit as a game developer now so you were a gamer uh starting on the snes genesis playstation one etc um when did you start kind of looking into being a game developer what are some of your earlier games um and and then you know we'll kind of roll into aria's legacy like what was kind of the game what was what were some of the games you created before Arius Legacy, and how did you kind of get into the get started in that? Sure. So getting started was uh, I think long ago when I was still in high school. Um, I had to do a school project, and I was learning coding. And then my um, my teacher then was teaching me Visual Basic, and with Visual Basic, I decided to create a game. And this game was simply um, there's a circle on the screen, and it keeps bouncing edge to edge to the screen. And you have to tap the circle before it reaches the edge of the screen, otherwise you lose. And you had to do that to accumulate points until you reach whatever score it is and then just compete with your friends. Um, 
that was the very first game I ever made. And ever since then, I've been like, well, I know what I want to do when I grow up. I want to make games. But I actually started making games when I, uh, when I was about to graduate from undergrad. Um, my presentation for my final year project was a game. So I, I created a game that presents my final year project, which was not a game. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Okay. So that was the first actual like kind of production game I've created um, right before graduation. And ever since then, I've been working on my studio, the Pixel Crushers, uh, unofficially. We've, we've created a few games before we went, uh, we incorporated in 2015. Uh, so ever since we incorporated in 2015, we've released about three games on the App Store. Uh, so we have Colory, which is a, a very arcade, colorful game. And then we have Robox, uh, which is a puzzle game um, for for everyone, basically. It's about a robot that has to push boxes onto different platforms in order to unlock the uh, next levels and to unlock different doors. Uh, the sequel for Robox was RoboX, which we just released last uh, Christmas. And um, this game was about the same robot now he needs to save the city from an unknown villain. And uh, again, the, the, the puzzle is pushing boxes onto different colored platforms, avoiding enemies. And um, the, the, the puzzle part, uh, the, one of the puzzle mechanics is that uh, you go vertically. So you, you don't really move uh, horizontally a lot. But if you go down, you cannot go up unless there's a ladder, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there are lots of puzzle ideas with that we play around uh, that main concept of uh, falling from a platform to the other platform is how you progress, but you need to make sure that you don't miss something on the previous platform so you don't miss the um, the goal of the level, I guess. Cool. And all of those games are on. I know they're they're all on iPhone, uh, iPhone correct? But are they also on Google, on Android? Yes, they're all iOS and Android. So, uh, oh, yeah, RoboX is actually on Windows Phone as well, but uh, n- not many people play Windows Phone, so. Yeah, I actually kind of forgot that Windows phones were still a thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So I'll, uh, on torontogamedes.com slash podcast when I post this, I'll uh, I'll post all three of those games. Um, so now getting into Arya's Legacy. Uh, first off, because because it's a very unique game, one, can you describe the game for anyone who hasn't like kind of know what we're, what we're kind of talking about? Sure. So Arya's Legacy is the first escape room game in augmented reality. And so then, what yeah no sorry keep going so what, what we've done here uh, different from other augmented reality games is that instead of just projecting something on the table in front of you or um, just using the camera feed as a background to uh, virtual characters uh, this game kind of projects the, your virtual environment around your actual physical environment so you're moving around you're crouching sometimes you're kind of trying to reach out uh, over something to kind of see what's inside so it's a very physical game, um, and uh, you can also play it cooperatively with your friend. So it's exactly it gives you exactly the same kind of experience that you'd see when you go to an like an actual escape room game. Mm-hmm. And so when you say co-op, do you mean on the same phone or like two phones kind of paired together? Two phones paired together, cool. but it has to be local co-op though. Yeah. Um, and then, so what's uh, so where where did you kind of come up with that idea? Like, are you a big fan of escape room games, or did you just kind of see this sort of gap in AR games that um, 
you know, you thought you could kind of fill the, the piece of the puzzle uh, a little bit? Well, it, it all started out when we uh, we went to many different escape room games, and we're like, well, this is this is an awesome type of game to be played, like on a mobile phone. So we start to look on the app store, and we find lots of room uh, escape room games on the iPhone and like on Android, um, but none of them give you the same experience that you get when you go to an actual escape room. So we thought about how about virtual reality, but then virtual reality doesn't have you moving. Uh, a lot or interacting a lot with the object and you need to kind of have a headset for virtual reality so it's not uh, a very kind of um, easy entry point for all the players and in order to do that cooperatively it's going to be a headache mm -hmm. um, so we, we we thought about the different options and then we found ar but we looked at the different games that have ar in them and all they do is kind of like Pokemon Go, they either use your camera feed as a background, which doesn't really seem like AR, uh, or they kind of project stuff on a table, like most of the AR games out there right now. Uh, I think there's another game uh, or two that actually project something uh, around you in your actual environment and not project it on a table, but they're not doing uh, an escape room game. So we thought that an escape room game would work perfectly for AR. And this is kind of what AR is supposed to be. It, it should project stuff around you and have you walking around and moving around. And so is there, um, where does Aria's, where does that name kind of come from? Do you have like a, a story kind of surrounding all of these um, escape, like escape rooms? Or is it more so like how when you go to an escape room facility place there's like six different ones you could choose from and then you just kind of pick the one that you want to want to do or do you have a story that's kind of surrounding everything so in in aria's legacy there's a main storyline and following the storyline it takes you to the different escape rooms uh they're all the same theme because it's all linked to the story uh but each room has like different puzzles of course and different kind of um experience so think of it as when you go to an escape room and then you pick your theme or your room that you're going to um, instead of being one hour it's going to be for the full length of the game but with every kind of room inside the escape room this is kind of one of your levels mm. and we have uh, um, 50 levels for the game uh, when we release it and what's going to happen is that sometimes you're going to go to the same room twice so you'd go from let's say room one uh, to room two to pick up something in room two and when you solve the puzzle in room two, you'd have to go back to room one to solve another puzzle that was there that you wouldn't be able to solve before. And then, so so all these rooms are kind of connected in one now. Yes. Perfect. And so kind of jumping off a little bit from, from I guess, like before, so did you, did you kind of come up with, did you want to, so you did mobile games. Did you want to do, uh, did you, did you know that your next game was going to be mobile? Like, have you ever thought about kind of jumping onto steam or anything like that? Obviously that would change what you wanted to do with an AR game, uh, like Aria's legacy, or did you know that you wanted to kind of do like an AR game? Cause, um, I don't know too many AR games. Like you mentioned Pokemon go, I actually just downloaded one, like a walking dead Similar one, right. and it's the exact same thing as Pokemon Go. Like, there's just zombies and stuff that you kind of go and shoot. Yeah, they're 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 basically projecting uh, virtual objects on a camera feed background, so it's yeah. not part of your environment, right? Yeah. So, did you did you know that you wanted to do like another mobile game? Um, 
or, or we were you, actually yeah. we were actually working on porting RoboX to Xbox. Uh, okay. We've got the dev kits and everything, and we were working on porting that. Uh, and then um, we we went to uh, EGLX, and we had we, we we had kind of put some parts of Arya's Legacy together. We didn't have a name for the game yet at that time. Uh, and then we we just showcased the the game there at EGLX and. Um, the interest we got from the people that played the game was enough for us to stop working on porting RoboX and move all our efforts to uh, create Arya's legacy so that we can release it in the next year. Yeah, that actually, because EGLX wasn't that long ago. Wasn't it the start of this year? Yeah, EGLX was early March. So yeah. that was about three months ago. Oh, wow. And so in that time, you went from kind of having this like demo, I guess, of just... It, it didn't have a name. You just had this sort of concept uh, to then deciding to go to E3 and, and showing it off to, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest event in gaming in terms of the amount of like the amount of press that's possible and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy actually. Um, perfect. And so you kind of already sort of alluded to it. Do you know, like when, when, when's your plan? What's the next kind of plan for Arya's legacy? Like when, um, when will people get a chance to kind of play it next? Because it is a game that I think you really need to kind of see to both fully understand and kind of just like um, get the idea of what's like going on. Sadly, I didn't play it actually when I was at EGLX. I ran into you a couple times, but never just never had the right timing. Um, yeah, I know it's it's hectic. Like all these events are very hectic. Yeah, you just there's always like a million things going on. Um, so what what's the ne- what's the kind of the next goal for Ari's Legacy, and then are, is the plan to release it this year? So the the plan is to release it early next year, about uh, March April. Uh, but we're we're planning on running like a very closed beta testing phase about end of this year, around November maybe. Um, so we we have a sign up sheet that we're uh, uploading on our website soon. Um, I'll send you the link after the interview and. Uh, People from E3 signed up for the beta. People from EJLX signed up for the beta. We're going to be testing the game uh, on iOS and Android. Uh, and then we're releasing uh, a very short demo, like a playable demo on the App Store before the actual release. Right. And and so, oh, so we're, we're thinking like early 2019 is the is uh, kind of the full release. Yeah, 2019. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Bert, uh, is there... Is there anything that I might? Is there anything that you kind of want to mention that uh, I might have not might not have brought up? Uh, anything about Ari's legacy or your history or or crushes or anything I, like that? I think you asked about the name of Ari's legacy and how it came to be. Yes. Um, so the 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 reason we called it Aria uh, is cause A and R is A R, so augmented reality, and that's why in the name it's uppercase A R I A. So it's Aria. I always had to double and, check that when I was writing out the story because I was like, "Is this how he's doing it?" I'm like, "Oh, right, AR, I got, I got it." And the, and I noticed yeah. the apostrophe in Arias is also a little phone. It, it's it's a diamond actually. Well, oh, yeah. it looks like uh, it's the shape of a phone though. Is it? Let me. I was just looking at the trailer. I gotta find uh, the logo now. I could see. It. Okay, yeah, I see it as a diamond, but it's also like. The, the rectangular shape of like an iPhone. Right. Okay. Well, okay. I'll, I'll change that. <laughs> no, you don't have to change it. it. Maybe it's a bit confusing, but 
Okay. <laughs> we actually, when we went to E3, uh, when we were preparing our booth, uh, it's it's very expensive when you're going to these events. And when you're talking to someone uh, someone that prepares like booth and like designs booth and everything, uh, they ask for a lot of money. Like they asked us for 30,000 US dollars uh, just to kind of design the booth and like prepare it and like oh everything for us. And that's that's insane. Like what we did was uh, we bought uh, curtains from Walmart. We uh, we kind of created our own kind of signage. Uh, we we bought like wooden plates and then we start carving stuff on it and then we 3D printed the letters for the uh, wordings on the signage. Uh, it took a lot of work, but it turned out great actually. Lots of people that came to the booth came to the booth cause of the kind of decor of the booth. $30,000 for like a, like, do you get to keep the booth if you want to use it at like packs or whatever, or do they just kind of design it and then, and then they take it away at the end? They design it and take it. Oh yeah. my God. You can keep, you can keep the three, like the printed signage, like your kind of custom material, but they keep the, the actual like physical objects there. Oh man. You only need to do like three of those a year and you're, you're set. Oh yeah, you're set for life, I guess. <laughs> Holy crap! I had no idea. I don't. I don't know. So I'm always like blown away about the prices of like certain things. Like I don't know the price of E3. You mentioned that you might not be able to say it, so that's fine. I don't want to pressure you into that. But the price of like different events and having getting booths and and now the price of someone designing booths and and overall presentation and just like dev kits and stuff like that. Like there's certain things oh, yeah. that are like super cheap. Um, like I, I like I hear like dev kits aren't really actually that much money. Uh, again, I don't know if you're allowed to say kind of like publicly, but I hear they're not like super expensive. But then, like you mentioned, this this booth designing company that I think was just going to try to rip you off. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> it's thirty thousand. Well, they as soon as they hear E3, that's the price tag. Uh, like all the different design companies do that. Like it depends on which kind of event you're going to. They would do the same work, but it depends on what kind of event you're going to that they would put the price. Oh, you're going to E3, thirty thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That's the same thing with weddings. Like when I was playing, we play, like I had planned my wedding late last year, and the whole time it was just kind of like if this was just a party for a hundred people, we'd be paying like half the the cost. But instead, it's a wedding for a hundred people, so it's you know the prices jack up or stuff like that. Um, oh yeah, it's a wedding. It's different from a party. Yeah, <laughs> there's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. Uh, Perk, so Arya's Legacy, if people are interested in kind of checking it out, uh, you mentioned you'll you'll give me the, the, the page to um, sign up. I'll put that onto the site, charnogamedes.com for sure. But if you're just listening to this podcast, you're on you're on the road, you don't have time to uh, you know, go to the website or anything like that, where can people kind of find out, follow you on Twitter um, or and check out like the site? So the website for Arya's Legacy is ariaslegacy.com. Uh, and our Twitter account is Arya's Legacy and the Pixel Crusher. Uh, on Twitter, there is no S in the Pixel Crushers because Twitter has a character limit, so we couldn't pick the Pixel Crushers. Oh. But on Facebook and Instagram, it's the Pixel Crushers. Okay, now that and I look at the logo a lot closer, I, I see yeah. it as a gem. I see the border now. I'm still. I'm telling you though, it still looks kind of like a. It's just the phone shape. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Perfect. So yeah, ariaslegacy.com is where you can kind of check out the, well, there's the E3 trailer as well that you created. Um, that's yep. on the site, torontogamedos.com as well. Uh, you can find out more about Aria's Legacy. You can sign up um, to know about the launch and, and I guess signing up here on ariaslegacy.com kind of gives you a 
chance at getting in the closed beta. Is that what you were kind of saying before? Yes. Yep. So you can go to ariaslegacy.com again to uh, sign up and, and get your chance at the beta. Otherwise, you would wait, um, I guess, until early 2019. Um, but you can always follow on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, Gala, thanks for thanks so much for for joining. Sorry about the technical difficulties earlier. But oh yeah, thank you for having me here. Yeah, no, not a problem. Um, again, patrons get this podcast uh, early, so you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TorontoGameDevs to help support the site. Uh, this will be posted tonight on Tuesday, uh, and they'll probably vote for everyone on on Thursday or Friday. Um, Gala, is there is there any any kind of last thoughts or any sort of messages you want to send out? Um, any last little plugs that you might want to give? Well, uh, I mean, if any indie developers are listening to this podcast, I'd say if you want to go to E3, make sure you have your target straight. If you're going there for um, maybe to find investors or publishers, then make sure that everything you do is to find publishers and investors. If you're going there to compete with the big companies, please don't go there. Uh, you're going <laughs> to waste your time and money. But if, if you want to go there to show off your game, you can go there but make sure not to try and compete with the other companies. Make sure that you show off everything is indie. Don't try to show off that everything can compete with the AAA games because it's not going to do anyone harm by yourself. Did you see um, apparently Capcom had a crazy booth for Resident Evil 2? Oh, yeah. They were just right around the corner from our booth. Like They had like this huge booth for Street Fighter, for uh, Resident Evil, and for um mega man and the lineups for mega man were in front of our well not in front of our booth but in front of the alley entering to our booth so we i i had to kind of walk there and grab people from lining up to go to our booth and check out the game and then (laughs) i take them back to the lineup yeah when when i was there it was the year that they announced resident evil 7 as well and they did a very similar thing where they built that man like a a replica of the mansion um oh they did that again this year yeah, so they did they do the the police um the the police with, with the car? Oh, with the bar? Oh no, they did the like there's the mansion cause this year they they were talking about Resident Evil um what was it? Resident Evil 2? Yeah, Resident Evil Remake 2 or I don't know yeah. how they yeah, Resident Evil 2 the remake. I don't know how they're going. So so they had like this huge mansion there that they built specifically for E3. We've seen how they've been building it like during like move in and everything they're actually building it like they had like a small workshop there and people were actually working on cutting the wood and like preparing everything to kind of assemble like an actual house it's not just decoration it's an actual house there (sighs) and like they had this police car at the back that was broken and damaged and then there was a zombie that was in front of the car and like that that was just for picture opportunities that people would kind of go take pictures with and then you can go inside the car, he, like pose for different poses with the zombie there. Uh, they had different kind of zombies at different times, so police zombie, and like it, it, it was just, it was just awesome. And uh, and that's that's who you're up against at E3 if if you go to exactly. kind of show, show off. Uh... Oh, not not to talk about um, what's the game the uh, the uh, oh I don't remember the the game right now. Oh well. With, for it's it's the it's it's the online game like the multiplayer online game uh everyone's playing it right now uh fortnite fortnite yes thank you their booth there was insane they had like the most insane booth there they had like a balloon with the bus and everything and because they announced the fortnite on switch so they 
they were just lining up for people to play Fortnite. Even though that game is free, people were still lining up to play the game. <laughs> you know like, that there was some people who were playing it on their phone lined up to yes. play it on Switch. <laughs> That's incredible. So, anyways, uh, thanks again for for joining me. Um, and again, that's ariaslegacy.com uh, that you can check out everything. Subscribe on iTunes and, and Google Play on the TronoGameDoes.com podcast. Uh, and again, patreon.com slash TronoGameDoes uh, gets the podcast early. And uh, Gala, thanks again, man. Thank you. Thank you so much.